You are listening to the Legendarium Blue Team. You have chosen wisely. Go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. Oh, dear. <laughs> we should go in the water now. Okay. <laughs> and Craig just popped his head in long enough to hear the Jar Jar Binks reference. Oh All right. Gosh. There we go. Oh. Yep. Sorry, we, man. We can't do anything without getting in trouble around here. It's just the way that it goes. And welcome to the Legendarium. We are the blue team, and we are almost out of social quarantining. Uh, almost. We're, all, all, we're almost there. <laughs> we're almost there. Uh, thank you for joining us. We, uh, As the blue team, we've got Ken and Megan, and of course me, Todd. And Say two, hi, guys. Two of us are actually in the same room. <laughs> hi, guys. <laughs> I'm not one of the two. two. <laughs> And and that's okay. She was smart and stayed away from the two of us. Apparently, we're still infectious. I'm not sure what's yeah. going on with that. We'll figure it out. The laughter it, is infectious. It's that laugh. That laugh is infectious. <laughs> I've been told that once or twice. There it is. Uh, in fact, I heard that from somebody earlier today. Um, yeah, go figure, right? Right. Uh, those of you that are new with us, uh, you probably are saying, why have I started in the middle of a series and we're thinking the same thing? So go back to the start of the series and listen to the first ones. Yeah, uh, this is not the place to start. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you that have been around for a while, you know all the regular stuff. Uh, reach out and interact with us on Reddit. You don't seem to have a problem with that. Uh, reach out to us on Discord. You don't seem to have a problem with that. Send us email. Nobody talks on email anymore. It's just the way that it goes. We are so glad that all of you are ex as excited <laughs> as we are about Dresden. And we are reviewing Turncoat. Uh, this is kind of, it, this feels like it's like the halfway point. Everybody kept saying, wait until you get to Turncoat and changes. Um, and we just finished Turncoat. What do you think, guys? This this is the heart of the Dresden Files order right here, if to, to put it in baseball terms. Um, if, if we were going to compare this trilogy to Star Wars, which Jim Butcher loves to do, this is the Empire Strikes Back <laughs> of, uh. of, uh, of uh, small favor, Turncoat, and changes, you know? So this is this is where we've been building up to forever. I mean, and, and here we are right in the thick of it now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I and Megan, are you feeling like this is this has been a, a good payoff so far? Yes. Yes, I have so far. I have been saying it for a while, but I enjoy it more and more each book that comes along. I'm just really enjoying Harry's world. I like his friends. I think his enemies are interesting. I mean, you have to have a good bad guy in order for the good guy to like matter at all. Yeah. I feel like the bad guys are right up there with Harry. Yeah. Um, you know, just always. He always manages to make it, which is just, it's so fun to see how that happens. And I like that it's, it is a little bit serialized. I mean, like you were saying, this is not the time to start the Dresden Files with this novel, but I like that it's serialized enough where it does, it gets to the end of the book and it kind of feels like an ending. It feels like a good place to pause yes, yeah. before you start that. Like, I like the overarching story. I like the serial stories. It all works. And she likes the fact that she was right. Okay, we're going right. to that. We're going to get to that we'll later. To that. We're going to get to that later. Doesn't happen that often, but it happened this time. Ken is so excited. Ken, do you have a recap for us for a change? I have a recap for a change. I've had, I, <laughs> I have recaps more often than I don't have recaps. This is true. This is true. Whoa. Ken. Todd's busting shops over shots there. Shots. We're fire. <laughs> I'm a little punchy busting today. Busting shops with the 
furry mustache. Oh my god! Well, you know, hey, if you can, if you, if you're gonna grow a mustache and a beard, you might as well grow a mustache and a beard who's, and an attitude. So who's scruffy Ken, looking? Can you need to grow? You need to grow the chops so he can bust them. You know, I shaved just today because it's my anniversary. Uh-huh. Nice. So, I, that was good. You're welcome. Chops so you can bust them. I get it. All uh, right, Ken, take it away. All right, so uh, when we when we did uh, Dune. I, I did a recap that was based on the police. It, it was laced with police references. And it was so oh, well yeah. received that I decided that since we are in the Empire Strikes Back of the Dresden trilogy, uh, Heart of the Order, that this one deserved to have a Star Wars themed recap. Go for it. So here we go. So Harry is beaten, bruised, and something's going on inside his noggin. So naturally, it's a perfect time for the return of the Jedi. I mean, Harry's nemesis, Morgan, to show up looking for sanctuary from the White Council. Who thinks he's killed a member of the Senior Council and a mercenary, a demon summer? Oh, and a Native American shapeshifter. Uh, so bad, eh, that you need to nuke it to beat it or all after him. So a little magical forensics later, and Harry agrees to investigate, giving Morgan a new hope that he'll uncover the Phantom Menace behind the plot that threatens to bring down the White Council and usher in a new wizard empire. It becomes clear that early, or it becomes clear early that the Black Council is behind it and will at last reveal themselves to the Jedi and have their revenge, despite that dynamic Cornelius Fudge impersonation by the Merlin. Yes, I threw in an Order of the Phoenix reference right there instead. Sue me. What a- Hooray! <sighs> oh my goodness. The attack of Binder's clones allows the rise of Skinwalker to make off with Thomas, no carbonite required. And uses him to leverage Harry into a hostage exchange. It puts Harry between a rock and a hard place. Same as always. That bad, huh? (laughs) But it inspires the truly crazy idea to use the Nexus Island and some Lando-level smooth talking to bring balance to the conflict. Yeah. um, Oh. oh. (laughs) He boats out to the (laughs) island by himself. That's right. He goes out there solo. Oh. And the creative... And the creative use of his force awakens the spirit of the island, effectively making Harry one with Demon Reach and the Demon Reaches with him. Come on. Come on. He then convinces all parties involved that Morgan's on the island, and that's when things really go nuts. The Nagloshi underestimates Listen to Win's power. And we get the freaking throwdown of the ages, including the small folk, either the Ewoks or the Midichlorians of the Fae, depending on your certain point of view. Ewoks. And it all leads up to Harry altering the deal by using the meat as a ruse to free his brother and catch the real traitor. Turns out Lucio was just playing a role in one of those 90s teen soap operas, manipulating or being manipulated into killing Lafortier and being Jedi mind tricked into loving Harry by old man Peabody. Good job, Megan. And he would have gotten away with it, too, if it hadn't been for those kids and their dog. Morgan becomes the rogue one, sacrificing himself and taking the fall and Lucio's secret remains safe and we've got ourselves a bona fide gray council with Blackstaff and Harry as founding members always two there are a master and an apprentice oh. yeah so so roll call who's on team gray council Ebenezer Harry Molly clearly uh, I guess Ramirez are probably the first four so what does the Sith Lord Cowl do next now uh, and who's his next apprentice now that Peabody is out always two master and apprentice I'm telling you how long until Thomas's demon finally really takes over and what happens when it does, not if it does, when it does. And also, how much longer can Harry and Thomas keep their relation a secret and how exploding will the damage be when, again, when, not if, that comes out. And uh, last question, how long before we see the Negloshi again? My money is on four books. You know, there's one coming up called Skin Game. I'm just saying. Okay. So, all right, <laughs> that's, that's the rest of the recap. Everything's about to blow up, folks. But remember, the Fazori will be with you always. Ken, this is for you. 
Thank you, Boss Nass. That's what I was thinking when you were saying, are they the midi chlorians or the or the Ewoks? I was like, no, they're totally the Gungans. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I guess they're, I could have put they that They come in, they're weird. They're kind of, they're kind of Ooh, deep embarrassing. Now. <laughs> We're going to be taking you to the bosses. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> we should go on the water now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Craig just popped his head in long enough to hear the Jar Jar Binks reference. Oh All my right, gosh. there we go. Yeah. And Todd, sorry, we, man. We Todd's can't do anything. Impersonation. We, we can't do anything without getting in trouble around here. It's just the way that it goes. I tell you. All right, so there you go. That's Ken, that. nicely done. Nicely done. I I think yes. the number of Star Wars references really, absolutely, just over the top. Yeah. Well done. Well I done. wish I'd taken account, but yeah, it's um, it's what we get. So anyway, there we go. Recap done. So <laughs> we should just go home. That feels like that was I, over. Oh, you oh. think? Oh, there's more. Okay, we should okay. talk about more. So, are you kidding me, Ken? With how much you have been pushing this for no, the I'm last three so weeks? I'm so excited. So here's so here's my first question, and I uh, you you guys know sometimes I come in with a few questions. This one I came in with quite a few questions, quite a lot of questions. My but the first one for me, they 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 kind of go hand in hand. You guys realize the timing of this book was 48 hours. Yeah. Start to finish. Whoa. I did not realize that. Because when Morgan shows up, he he's talking with Harry. You know, of course, he doesn't talk to Harry at first. He passes out and bleeds all over Harry's uh, all over Harry's house. But then like the, you do. one of the first things that yeah. he does when he wakes up is he says, OK, so I, I'm assuming you've got some kind of a tracking spell working to kind of throw everybody off. How long do we have? And he says... 48 hours, so about, maybe a little more. Yeah. So this whole thing takes place, the, the all all of everything going on takes place in 48 hours. Yep. Giving this a little bit of perspective, how much has Harry grown as a wizard that he can do all of the things that he does and stay on his feet for all of this, for this 48 hours. You remember in the first books, he talked about the fact that using this much power, I'm probably going to have to sleep for a week using this much power. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to sleep for four or five days just to try and recover. Yeah. And he'd have his water bottle full of some kind of replenishing liquid. That's right. He'd he'd have to make invigoration potions and such. Yeah. And now we made that for a while. And now we're at a point where Harry, and this is after working through, working through some of the timing and Harry does this himself or Jim Butcher does for us. As he's going through and talking about this, we realize we're somewhere between five and eight years down the pipe yeah, mm-hmm. for where all of this has started. So while we're not necessarily getting glimpses in between all of the books of what Harry's doing to grow as a wizard, obviously he is. Because in this 48 hours, he throws down some major mojo a bunch of times and still walks away to talk about it. Yeah. That's true. He, yeah, he has really grown. Um, side note to that, by the way, we've had, I've seen a couple of comments about people, uh, not necessarily complaining, but noticing that he doesn't do potions very much anymore. It's just, uh, it's not something that I, I don't know if it's a thing that he doesn't need or if he just doesn't have time for it, or if it's just something that isn't germane to the story. And so he's doing potions off the page, but on the page, we don't get to see it as much anymore. He's doing a lot more evocation magic. Yeah. And thaumaturgy. Do you think that that's because Jim Butcher is saying to himself, boy, it's a lot harder to think up how to make one of these potions than it is to just come up with an idea of how to evocate something? <laughs> Maybe. No, I just think Harry's grown up a little bit. And he, he's also been working a lot with Molly and trying to work on what her strengths are. And I don't know how much 
honestly, I can't think of if she's ever had an encounter with Bob. Um, but I don't know how much she would know about that. And Bob, uh, Harry definitely needed Bob in order to create those potions. Yeah. But I could definitely see him wanting to shield Molly from Bob. Yes. I want to say Bob about six more times. Well, especially Bob, since, Bob. especially since Bob, 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 Bob is, <laughs> that was just, I don't know. that was the worst. Can we, re let's erase that. No. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll fix that in post. <laughs> fix that in post. As per usual. Uh, uh, well, no, I, but I, I think it, I think it a little bit shows Harry's progression that he's, that he is growing stronger in magic. He's growing a little bit more confident in his magic. He's relying on a lot of other people more. Yeah. So that like he has Vince do a lot of the legwork here and a lot of the backup so that he, Harry is able to get an hour or two of sleep. How nice is so it that he has a subcontractor that now, the by the way? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Absolutely. He does. Harry. I don't know that he needs the stuff because he's, he's being able to. Professional wizard, subcontracting, private investigator. <laughs> yeah. Well, he trusts I, more people now. He's got a team behind him. Yeah, he's getting he's getting more trusting, which is awesome. I think there's a reason. I want to go back to Bob really quick because I think there's another reason that he keeps um, he keeps Molly away from Bob, and that's that, that Bob's a lech. Well, that Bob is a perv. I mean, first of all, and and Molly <laughs> is hot. I mean, that, those two things have been well established in in uh, the book. But I I honestly think that. Bob is not necessarily, I mean, we love Bob. He's charming and he's funny and he's British and all of that, at least in, in, you know, uh, James Marster's writing and, and that, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm still 11 books in. We're not certain, uh, or I, I think we're more certain now than ever that Bob is not fully good. No, no, and he's Molly, very shady. And Molly's magic is based on emotion and manipulation. And I think you put her and Bob together, give Bob the opportunity to really influence her. And maybe, maybe her presence is not good for Bob either. Maybe not. Yeah. Um, I hadn't, I hadn't put that piece together. I, I have, I do feel like, um, one of the things that, that, uh, Jim Butcher has put together for us is that Bob is, uh, influenced by or directed by whoever owns, whoever holds the skull. Right. And mm -hmm. when Harry holds the skull, then, Bob works off of Harry's moral system, his morality. Mm -hmm. And we know that Harry has cast a spell on Bob to forget all of the stuff. All that, of the Kemmler stuff. All of the, all of the Kemmler stuff. Right. So, and all of the time that he spent with Kemmler. And so a lot of, or maybe not, maybe not all that time, but at least all of the Kemmler information that was unique to Kemmler. And so we saw Bob be really, really bad. Right. And we saw Bob say, wow, I didn't like that Harry. But again, I think that's as much because Harry's influence on Bob is consistent. It's constant. Right. I, I, Ken, I'm with you. I wonder if Bob's influence, unrestrained by someone else's influence, would be a little bit more dark. Yeah. And, and given Molly's well, basis of, in magic, I wonder if it would just be dangerous. So anyway, sorry, Megan. Yeah. And we, we touched on this a little bit in the previous um, episodes when we were talking about the archive, because she has a similar vessel where she is she has a whole lot of power but she can very much be influenced by the people around her um which is something that the white council is concerned about um and they even mentioned you know kemler had this spirit that man we're glad we got rid of that thing because that could have been super dangerous oh no that is not what I needed to know. Okay, interesting. <laughs> One more secret he has to keep from the White Council. Right. One more thing they could hang him with. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, that makes him look more evil than he thinks he is. Or than 
Yeah. The, um, then he hmm. is. Then, then we he think is. he is, but then he thinks he is. Yes. So what were your first thoughts when I, and I'm, I, some of the questions that I had kind of moved through the, the rank of the book. What were your first thoughts when Morgan shows up at his house, bloodied and beaten? My, my first thought was uh, he's in serious crap. If he's asking Harry for, for sanctuary. Yeah. If, if he's coming to Harry yeah. for help, then something, something bad has gone down. And, and my first thought, I mean, cause Morgan has always been the straight as an arrow, uh, warden. He's, he's been no fun and no crap and, and just, he will do with, with absolute rigidity. What is the, the right thing to do? And so if he's coming to Harry, then he's been set up. He, he's not, I, I, there's not a guilty bone in his body ever. So you were convinced from the very beginning that this was all a setup, that yep. there was no way possible that Morgan had done this. And, and if, if it had been Morgan, I would have been, I would have been blown away. But yeah, I, I was convinced from the, from the get that it couldn't have been Morgan, that he was being set up. Okay. Megan, how about you? Uh, my thought was, of course, Morgan shows up to Harry when he needs some help. Like he's, <laughs> Harry be, <laughs> of course. Well, because Harry is like they've made, they mentioned this in the book. Harry is the least likely person that would help Morgan. Um, yeah, and so of course Morgan would put that on Harry because I mean Morgan has never really entirely trusted Harry, and so it would just be one more chance for Morgan to be like, "So can I actually trust you, or are you going to turn me in?" Yeah, are you actually like, the good person you pretend to be, or are you? you know, a jerk face. Certainly a no-win situation because if Harry, if Harry is really loyal to the white council, the first thing that he should do is turn in Morgan. If he's the good person he claims to be, the first thing that he should do is follow through and investigate. Like he says, he's going to in no way. Can he win on this situation? It's really fascinating that he gets put in this no-win situation. I'll tell you what my first thought was. Um, my, my first, and then my immediate second thought my first thought was Morgan found out who the traitor was and he has, we have to keep him alive long enough to find out. I really we had to keep Morgan. Alive we had to keep long Morgan alive yes. long enough to find out. I really thought that Morgan was going to, when Morgan came out of his catatonic state, Morgan was going to be able to say, and the person who was, who is the traitor is blah, blah, blah. And he tried to kill me. And that's why this is all going on. My second yeah. thought when I started to realize that wasn't going to happen <laughs> um, was that Morgan was being sent to set up Harry and that all oh. of this was a plot to see if Harry was the traitor. Did you think that Morgan was in on it or did you think that he had <coughs> been mind manipulated? I thought at first I thought Morgan was in on it. And then, of course, after, you know, after a little bit of time goes on, that was the one thing about this book. Normally, it normally is as these books occur, um, you get it. You get a clue in the beginning. uh, There's a clue in the title always about what's going on. And you can kind of you see the thread at the beginning and you kind of see where it's going to lead. This one, every time I thought I'd figured out where it was leading, maybe it's just me. But this book is probably uh, for me, at least one of the most enjoyable reads because it kept twisting. And I kept yeah. saying, I think I know where it's going. Nope. Don't know that one. I think I know what's going. It's like I said, I had texted you guys at about chapter 22 or whatever it was. And I said, well, what if this, 
And yeah. both of you go, yeah, we're not going to tell you anything. And I'm like, well, you you well, asked you, us not to tell you anything. Yeah, you you made us swear to secrecy. <laughs> I, I did, but but you were very very it, concerned. It, I and it was and 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 as that was going on, you were both kind of like, good, nice job, nice job. Yeah, sure. Let's see how that works. <laughs> we're not going to say anything. <laughs> How'd that work out for you? <laughs> which obviously means, yeah, no, you you're way off. Yeah. <laughs> which which yeah. you were way off. But how about Megan being right on? Hey, that rarely happens. Whatever, that was awesome. That was exciting. I you know. So well, Megan, how did you feel when your prediction was, you know, like ah. Okay, you guys. I was reading that it was 1.30 in the morning and I didn't want to put it down because I knew I was getting close to, you know, when I'd find out if I was and it's 1.30 in the morning, I'm in my bedroom. We've all been quarantined. I can hear the snoring of my neighbor on the other side of the wall. <laughs> and I'm reading it and it's, you know, Peabody all of a sudden freaks out and I went, ha ha! That was my literal reaction. I was so happy. I was like, yes, I so rarely make predictions and even rarely or more rarely am I correct. I was so proud of myself, you guys. Uh, I was pretty excited. As you should Also, be. I just thought it was really cool that like, I mean, he kind of seemed to be this pencil pusher, bureaucromancer. Bureaucromancy. Bureaucromancy. <laughs> as going... McCoy would say. And then he turned out to be pretty freaking awesome. Like, throwing the powder and oh he's mind manipulated all these people and i'm like oh i I actually didn't expect that but that's cooler than was in my mind yeah because i just figured i mean here's this guy who's just under the radar enough that you wouldn't really suspect him but also he as the bureaucracy guy like he has a lot of leverage where he could really do a lot of damage without a lot of people noticing and also i'm familiar enough with the way Jim Butcher has written these books to know that he doesn't throw in a character like that for no reason. Right. Yeah. So yeah. had to I, know. Like I just, I was like, I think it's this guy. I agreed. And in, even when you said it in, uh, in our last discussion, I thought I, I could see Peabody being the, the mastermind here, but, or the, we'll just call him the turncoat. He's not the mastermind. Cause I, I think Cowell is, he's still out there and I think yeah. he's the mastermind, but, but I could see Peabody being the, the traitor, However, I I went. Ah, oh, it's too easy. Plus, I was still banking on the whole Rashid thing, which well, but but let's talk. Which about this. was almost which was almost exciting because he shows up on the island, and I'm like, this is where oh. he, this is where he turns straighter. This is it, and then he didn't, and I'm like, oh, there were a couple. Of, I was so wrong. There were a couple <laughs> of opportunities for for those kinds of things to show up. Um, I, I, a couple of them that I that I was thinking of the Rashid moment when you know Harry says, well, you know, whoever's going to show up is going to show up early, and there's Rashid. Right. And I'm like, my my first thought was. Up, uh, Ken, you might be right. And then I looked at the number of chapters left. I'm like, nope, Ken's wrong. Right. Um, yes. Well, and I, I thought it could have been he shows up and he says, this is not going to end well or whatever and blinks out and everything fights. And then he comes back later and goes, I, I told you. A possibility. You know? but, but you know what? That wasn't the only one because at the very beginning of the book, when a skinwalker shows up, now, did, when he said- We got to talk about that later. When he said it was a skin- Well, let's talk about it now. Well, I, I, we <laughs> when, I just- when, yeah. when Jim Butcher said a skinwalker, did that make both of you immediately think of Injun Joe? Because for me- Yeah. Yes. Uh, knowing knowing Native American uh, mythology and being familiar with that, as, as, I, as some people are, some of us are- um, I was like, oh, nice throw. I'm sure it's not Engine Joe, but that was really well done. I didn't want it to be Engine Joe, so I refused to think it was, but I did think... Should we use his whole name, Engine Joe Listens to Wind? We should just call him Listens to Wind. I know there Listens are some people... Some, some people are rightly uh, sensitive about about the name Engine Joe, and uh, and so we'll, I'll, I'll call him Listens to Wind. Let's call him Listens to Wind. But 
um, I, I didn't want it to be him because I really like him and everything he's done in the series up to now has been honorable and has, has led you to believe that he is a good guy. And I didn't want that to be the, uh, the twist that, that could have been coming. You know what I mean? I also yeah. wanted him to be a shapeshifter. The moment that the moment there was a skinwalker on the board, I was like, "Oh, be a shapeshifter, be a shaman, please." <laughs> well, and you, or uh, be a druid. I mean, and, and he kind of was. I'm like, the other, yes. the other thing that was kind of interesting about the way that listens to wind is is portrayed. Harry has that interaction with him back in uh, in in Ireland, Scotland, Scot, uh, yeah, Edinburgh, Edinburgh, Edinburgh. Uh, and he and he has this interaction with with listens to wind, where listens to wind says, "You know what." I watched my I watched my entire tribe be destroyed in favor of the White Council and blah. He he reveals a little bit of a shady kind of a view of 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 of, of magical politics, and sure. made a really good. I I think it maybe it wasn't, but it's it certainly felt like Jim Butcher trying to keep this uh, connection between the skinwalker and possibly listens to wind being the traitor and keep that, keep us all on our, on our toes. Was that something that you guys picked up on or was, did you feel like it was not that big a deal? I did not pick up on any of that. Okay. So obviously I'm wrong. (laughs) I am not helpful at all. I'm used to being wrong by the way. It's, it's happening more and more. I am too. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah right. Uh, you, you learn not let the wrong times bug you because they come in. <laughs> they come in plentifully. Uh, I did pick up that listens to wind has some legitimate bona fide grievances with authority and with being mis uh, mistreated. You know, yes. being by the by the system. And obviously, I mean, given 18th century, 19th century uh, American Indian relations, shall we say, American yeah. Native American relations. I don't know how. But relations with the with the U.S. government, obviously, I mean, somebody who's lived that long will he's got probably inevitably have a justified reason to hold a grudge. Um, Did you guys said I wasn't sure that did you guys ever feel like Lucio could have been the traitor? Yes, but yeah, I I, I could have seen it. I could I saw a a path for her to be the traitor. I like the way that it was handled better although i if if somebody has a problem with damsel in distress uh tropes in in books they might have a problem with it i didn't i thought that it was it made sense it, given given that uh, morgan how much morgan idolizes her and that she was his uh warden trainer all of that and um it, it made it it made sense for her to be the tie to uh to frame morgan for it yeah so that that made a lot of sense, oh. and I wish I had kind of seen it sooner, and I didn't. Yeah, that whole that whole thing broke my heart. Where Morgan realized that Harry and Lucio had had a physical relationship, where Morgan had been pining for her for so long. Yeah, um, that was pretty heartbreaking. Well, I did not want it to be Lucio, so I did not entertain that thought. But it it would have been very convenient for her to have been distracting Harry, uh, and turned out to be the bad guy because she was in on so much of the plans. And it turns out that she was distracting Harry anyway, just not the but way, you know what, just not the way that we were, that, that possibly could have been thinking about. Um, how did you feel? I, I, I had this question down later, but as long as we, as long as we're starting to talk about it, let's ask it now. How did you feel when you found out that the relationship between Harry and Lucio was absolutely not genuine? 
It wasn't. You mean when Madeline kissed him and it burned his forehead? And I was like, crap. So that was. <laughs> I, first of all, I was so mad. I was because I, I immediately caught that where I was like, yes. okay, so something is off on Harry and Lucio's relationship because we yes. know that Harry is not a one night stand kind of guy. Right. Yes. He is yep. not someone who is in for casual relationships. So he like either like he wasn't fully into Lucio or she wasn't into him. But there was also a moment before like the whole thing on the island went down where um, Harry and Murphy kiss. And it's not like a super romantic thing, but they do kiss each other and they do say, I love you. And I thought, well, maybe that will be enough to protect him. And it wasn't. No, no. Because no. I was, was very a, upset. That was more of a Luke and Leia type. I love you and kiss and stuff. Not a. No, actually, I know. But like, but I, that it's very, like, it's a very true thing. Like it may not be a passionate. I'm right. going to share my life with you, but, but it's is a, it, it is a true. Know, you're love. my best friend and I am so glad you're in my life. It's, sure. Could that it's, be enough? It's not the sharing. Apparently not. Here. It's the sharing that has to happen that makes you protected. And since they are not, since they were not in a relationship of sharing in that nature, yeah, it doesn't, it isn't enough. But I'll tell you what, when, as, as I was watching that, that kind of piece of it unravel and Madeline lays one on Harry and Harry responds and he's like, and I'm like, and, and I said to myself, you know, this is really going to have a whole lot more uh, ramifications than just the fact that Harry's in a bad spot right yeah. now. He's and yeah. and to find out that the reason that Lucio is involved in all of this, number one, it's just for entertainment. Okay, that doesn't surprise me, but that she's been mind manipulated and pushed into doing something that winds up being you know just so destructive to so many people. Uh, you know, talk about talk about ripping the rug out from underneath Harry. You know, in the last episode, we were all talking about, oh, it's nice that he's got family. It's nice that he's got Lucio. Mm-hmm. It's nice that he's got. Yeah. It's nice that so many things are coming together. Yeah, no, and, no, it's and now everything yeah. is he, gone. He no longer has Lucio in in that regard. I, I think she's still a friend. She'll still be a friend. I don't think she's oh, going yeah. to be a Grey Council friend though. No, I, I doubt. Think, yeah, I, I don't think so. that's the way that she goes. Uh, he's still got Thomas, but boy, is he messed up now. There's a, a let. I, mean, I want to come back to Thomas. Okay. I want to come back to Thomas. Um, but I, you know, is this a good time to talk about the Skinwalker in a little more detail? Was there more that you wanted to talk about the Skinwalker? Oh, well, I, I just in the sense that uh, of how scary and bad a he is. So, so uh, there was a there was a question on uh, Discord. Maybe it was on Reddit. Anyway, it doesn't matter because. Uh, so many good questions on both and so many good talking points on both. But some, somebody mentioned uh, Harry opening up his site to the Skinwalker and just losing it. And that, man, oh, that, was, that was a great early chapter in the sense that you really got an idea of how bad this is going to get. I was eating breakfast. <laughs> I was eating breakfast when I was listening to that chapter. Uh-huh. And I was like... Oh, dear. I'm not sure I can eat any of this food anymore. When he started to describe, think of this, think of this, think of this. Now think of all of that coming in through your eyes. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it's it's amazing how Harry ends up desensitizing himself where he just kind of locks himself in his room in a room and says, "Okay, I'm just going to I'm going to open myself up. I'm going to try to think about it. And he's finally able to get to the point where he's still scared of it. He's still very aware that he is in over his head. Yeah. But at least he's able to face it and yeah. focus on it. I do think the skinwalker is cool. Like all the shape shifting, I think, is super cool. But you will notice at one point when they're in the white court compound, 
it turns into a smoke monster, just like I said ah, in the last episode. That's right. <laughs> to be a smoke monster. She wanted to be a Denarian smoke monster. That's right. And there Almost one no is. There's no way you can defend yourself. Yeah. Holy cow. He Well, and he's not just a garden variety bad guy. He's not a demon. He's not a fae. Well, he's, he's kind of a demon, I guess, but he's, he's not a fae. He's, he's a semi-mortal demigod type. Yeah, Semi, semi-phenomenal, shape, nearly cosmic. Shapeshifter um. <laughs> with, with malicious like intent. He's not just a, I am bad because this is my nature. He really enjoys being bad. You know, there's, there's, and, um, that's, that's what it, that's what the picture I get anyway. We, yeah. we talk about, we talk about some of the people that Harry goes against. Um, you remember the, you remember the, the disciples of Kemmler, right. uh, and they were talking about, you know, if you could live forever and you had an Einstein or you had a Da Vinci or you had, uh, you know, some of these, some of these other great thinkers that could live forever. What more could they have done for us? And Harry's the one throwing the cold water and saying, yeah, but what if you have a Hitler? What if you have a Genghis Khan? What if you have some of these people that live forever as well? We, we have to, you know, as, as much as they're going down this path that says this could be great for humanity, Harry has to say, yeah, it might be great for humanity, but it could also be really bad. But all these things, yeah. We've got the Denarians. We've got, we've got, uh, uh, oh, brain, brain went away, name went away, um, leader of the Denarians that... Oh, Nicodemus. Nicodemus, thank yeah. you. I was thinking Nicholas, and that always coming out was Nicholas Cage, and I knew that was wrong. Um, Nikki and the Nickleheads. <laughs> no, but you should play him in the movie. No, she shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> Nicodemus, Nicodemus talking about the fact that we can bring order to this chaotic planet. We can, we can put, we can impose a sense of order. Yeah. And Harry having to throw some reality on that again and say, yeah, but you know, anytime you got this kind of order, you know, what kind of a price? All of the. Most of the big bads that he faces are big bads because they're they're trying to implement or force a peace upon all of the chaos of life. Yeah. The skinwalker is just evil. Yeah. Just gets off yeah. on making things worse he's he's the joker without the gregarious attitude he just wants to watch well, the and world you look burn at, and he wants yeah, to make sure i mean sure you look at what he does with thomas where it just has it takes this glee and that harry tries to rescue thomas and in so doing he throws him into the lighthouse with molly which turns out to be the worst thing oh he right done. oh my gosh yeah that was yeah yeah that the the old the old story of oh yeah there's not going to be any negative consequences coming from that one um, yeah oh, talk talk about an, oh crap moment for me when he when he pointed that out that all the things he'd done to Thomas and you just threw him in the lighthouse I went oh son of a <laughs> yeah, yeah this this is where this is where we get to a point where real loss is coming. You know, yeah. I mean, Morgan is a real loss. He's not. He only shows up in a couple of books, and he and Harry mm-hmm. don't have a, a very friendly relationship but he is a critical part in the white council and he he's a critical instrument of justice and i, I don't want to build him up too much because at the end of the day he really is just a kind of a jerk who, yeah, yeah. but but he's maybe a critical, not justice, but, he, but, but he's a critical yeah. jerk and and losing him is a big deal i was i was kind of hopeful in in a rosy picture way that that morgan would stick around and that he and harry would have a better relationship and and you know, kind of have, wow. and I thought I was the optimistic I, son of a gun. I know, but I mean, having him die was a was an important <laughs> part. Anyway, I, I we're getting off track, but um, 
like we had a track to get off on. Right. Um, but yeah, we well, and we, at the end of the day, they didn't kill the Skinwalker, did they? They just no, ran him no. off. No, he was driven off. So I mean, it's still around. Yes, I mean they, they I, mentioned the only way that he's that a Skinwalker has been killed before is with a nuclear bomb. Um, like, uh, oh yeah, and that when the nuclear <laughs> bomb went off, he just turned and smiled. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure that that was the death of the skinwalker. I think that was just, it stalled him down for a while. Maybe. I don't so, know. So, I mean, yeah. skinwalkers are so serious business. You know, so the, we may never see that skinwalker again, but knowing how long it lives and it probably has a long memory and how long wizards live, I bet, it could be a problem for, well, it yes, will it be could. a problem for all of humanity. Yes, it could. Just for names, I bet we see him in skin game. Well, we'll see what happens. That's... Hey, Ken, do we have oh, any, sure. do we have some questions from uh, Reddit or from Discord that maybe we can field real quick? We've we've been going through a lot of them um, as we as we go in. Uh, one question, I I had one and and then I lost it <laughs> while talking talking about um, the Skinwalker. Oh, oh, here here it is. Um, so this is this is a book somebody pointed out, and we had we had a, a discussion on on read it about it somebody pointed out that this is the first book probably the first book where harry actually wins he comes up with the idea he executes the idea and the idea works this is the <laughs> this is the first book where harry actually wins but then somebody else mentioned does he though because we lose billy not not billy we lose um kirby we lose kirby and we almost lose uh i don't remember the other one's name but so he he the girl the girl yeah. yeah so he gets he gets Kirby killed not intentionally you know he kind of loses Thomas he loses Morgan we lose a whole bunch of wardens we lose Lucio we lose Lucio I mean so he's in winning he is lost it's not necessarily a Pyrrhic victory but uh, but it is a victory where he has experienced loss yeah so so yes his idea was was executed well and it ended up winning the day but he loses some stuff along the way. Yeah, uh, the the old the old adage that there's always a cost uh, is the is the one that springs to my mind. No matter no matter how good when we're starting to when we're starting to talk about what has to happen in order to in order for good to triumph or for good things to go our way or however it is that you want to talk about it, there's always a cost. And uh, one of the things that one of the things that we as human beings struggle with sometimes is how great the cost is in order to get some of those things to happen the way that we want. Um, I remember as I've, uh, you know, as I've uh, had conversations with my adult children and my nearly adult children about things they want in life. And they'll talk about all these big dreams and these hopes and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And I say, you understand, you can have all those things, but they come at a cost. It's not, and, and, the, and as the conversation goes, it's not one to say, uh, you shouldn't chase those things. You shouldn't have those dreams. You shouldn't have those things that you want. But it is to say, just recognize that having all of those things is going to take sacrificing other things along the way. And in this particular case, while Harry isn't saying, well, I guess I'm okay sacrificing uh, my relationship with my brother and my relationship with my new lover and one of my one of my most stalwart supporters so that we can keep the world together and have magic win the day. It's not that he's consciously going through that, but that he certainly recognizes that a, that a price must be paid. And as long as he's aware that a price is being paid, that's going to be fine. We do get a clue though, that Harry once again 
doesn't know the cost. Yeah. In yeah. the beginning of the books, we get it. We get an indication that he has made a deal with his grandmother or his godmother to help open his powers on magic, right? And that keeps coming back and biting him where she says, you will be mine eventually. You will be mine eventually. Um, he's done it again by opening himself up to demon reach. I'm trying to remember whether it was Morgan or Rashid who said, you have no idea what's what it takes, what it costs to tap into the power. I think it was Rashid. And we want to talk about that also. That was a question that came up several times on Reddit. Let's talk about Discord. it now. I, I wanted to point this out really quick. Math Nut, this was on Discord. Uh, I got it wrong. He said, this is the first book which one could make a very convincing argument that Harry loses. Oh. So I, I, yeah, I took it go. as a win, but he's... He points out he does not he doesn't achieve the main objective of clearing Morgan's name and saving him from the council. He does uncover a traitor, but that was secondary. Further, though, he saves Thomas, but it remains to be seen how much of Thomas is left. And this marks a rather dark turning point when you think about uh, deeply about it. In prior books, Harry has made mistakes and choices that have had consequences. But I'd argue that this is the first time that he narratively has failed in what he was attempting to do on a grand scale. Okay, which I I thought is interesting. So I guess I, I guess that answers uh, my uh, the question. In my response is that I I think of it more of a of a victory. I mean, because he actually yeah. he's not seat of his pants in this one. He's actually okay. planned and, okay. and executing. So anyway, that was and he uh, has allies. Like he's not doing it all by himself. He has allies who are in it with yeah. him. What did you think of the moment when Billy says, "No more. You got to be honest. You got to level with me." My favorite part of that moment, by the way, is when he stops being Billy and he becomes William mm. or becomes Will. I loved that. Uh, and it's a simple thing and it's a little narrative, uh, uh, a narrative trick, you know, in, in literature. But I, I love the fact that just just a simple little turn, turn him from Billy to Will. And now he is he is ready to be in the deep end. You know, he's ready to be part of this whole thing. One more ally, two more allies for Harry. What did that make you think of, Megan? Oh, it just, it gives me a little bit of joy and it relieves my mind that Harry has one more person that he can talk to about this. Um, an ally, but also a friend, somebody who, I don't know how close they are, but the fact, I mean, the whole thing ends with him bringing, oh, uh, I can't think of his name. Butters. Butters, thank you, to play Dungeons and Dragons. But these are people that oh, yeah. Harry <laughs> truly values and wants to be like he, you know, his he's he has a Thomas taken from him in a sense at the end. And yet Harry is still holding on to the family that he has. And since he can't confide in Thomas the way he would like to, he's going to confide in Will. Um, and so that just I mean, he has a lot taken from him, but I'm glad that there's at least one thing that he's able to hold on to and that this friendship grows through this book. You know, it's, it, it, it was fascinating for me when, when, as I, as I was reading that portion, uh, when, when Billy says no more of this, you can't put me on the sidelines. You can't, you, you, you can't just ask me to run off and do this blind. I'm not going to do it anymore. Kirby's dead. I need to know what the stakes are. Yeah. When someone asks that way, they change. The relationship changes, yes. The nature of the relationship changes, yes. But so does the person. And I, I couldn't help but think about some of the conversations that I've had with my own adult children 
as they've started to get to a point where we're having different kinds of conversations now. It's not just about, well, you know, this is what you need to think about. Now they're looking at me and they're like, well, no, this is what I need to think about. Okay, you know what? Let's talk. Let's let's have a different kind of talk now. Instead of just talking about imperatives and maxims that we hand down to our children to try and give them guidelines, now we're going to talk about where those guidelines come from and what else is at stake. Billy becoming William is, and and Harry tells him, okay, fine, but as soon as I tell you this, there is no going back, and I have protected you from most of the worst of it, but I can't do that anymore if you want in. Do you understand what you're asking? And Will says, let's have a conversation. And this is a, this is a moment where, where the, the, the nature of that relationship changes significantly enough that I think, I, 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 I hate to say this, but I think it makes a possibility for, for Will and the rest of the alphas to be used against Harry even worse than they have been in the past. No, boo. Well, I probably it's just yes, my job. Right. It's my it's my job to put a little bit of <laughs> of, of of gloom and sadness into every I, rainbow and silver lining. Well, and you're doing a good. I job need that in my life. You're doing a good job. Todd, of right I here, need the but... perspective because I don't think that way necessarily. I I want so to I rebut though. I think it only it only. Uh, puts them in a position to be used against Harry in the sense that they are now allies and they're fully, yeah, oh, fully yeah. capable and fully qualified allies. Absolutely. And, and that's that's just the nature of, of having a team or having a family or having a, some kind of group you're invested in is is now you have more things that you, you can help you, more assets that can help you, hey. but they can also be you know turned but, against you because you, you care about them. But let's take oh, a look a at this. This is a superhero conundrum. Let's sure. take a look at these at the, at the people that Harry has surrounded himself with. Susan. Okay. okay, that one went well, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Michael. Yeah. Um, as good Ooh. as things have as good as things have turned <sighs> out for Michael. Yeah, that one didn't go so well. There was a, there was always a measure yeah, of Yeah, but Rishiro. Michael was already in it. The fact that he was allied with Harry was kind of kind of peripheral because Michael was already. Like, yeah, he was already. Harry in didn't I get it. I get it. it. Michael he was, was already, doing it anyway. He was already in the battle, okay. but he was in a battle okay. that was a different kind before Harry got Dying. him involved. Sure. Shiro? Yeah, you know what? Shiro could have been fighting oh. demons and monsters for a long time. But because of Harry's involvement, he brings him in to this one. Michael or uh Thomas? Thomas is now Thomas the the abuse that Thomas suffered at the hands of the of the Skinwalker. Um it was directly Harry related. Directly mm. Harry related? Sure. I mean, uh, between you and me, being this guy's friend sounds like a recipe for an early grave. Well, okay, but let, let's look at yeah, they maybe still. lesser examples, but let's look at examples where it's gone the other way. Where Molly, he totally could have just fed her to the White Council. He could, but he Granted. rescues Molly and he helps her um, yeah, to she, come into her own and to be a good. And he's still training her. He's still helping to teach her. Sure, but you look at something else, and um, you know we talk about Michael. If it wasn't for Harry, um, little Harry Carpenter would no longer be alive. He, yeah. I mean, granted, it was kind of Harry's fault that uh, Charity got in the whole situation in the first place, but it was it was Harry that helped to to protect her and get her to the hospital. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
or so we'd there, have a little there, demon Harry running around. Smaller examples. Yeah, we would have a little demon Harry running around. So I'm just saying. I, well, ah, <laughs> oh, Harry Carpenter, poor kid. Oh, one of <laughs> you named him Harry Carpenter. One of the things that I that I love, and I think somebody somebody in our one of our uh, Reddit Reddit uh, groups made this made this comment that Jim Butcher is all about choice. Yeah, choice and outcome. Yeah. And and I love the fact that these characters are making such strong choices. Yeah. But I like strong, that nobody is an absolute. Nobody's all good. Nobody's all bad. And every choice comes with a cost. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get into Demon Reach yet. Let's let's save it. And okay. then, uh, because I just because I think it'll take longer than we than we have. So let me ask so, a, let me ask a couple of other questions. Okay. Um, and and we'll lighten the tone just a little bit. What do you think the recruiting speech for a mercenary or bodyguard for the white court sounds like? <laughs> I mean, seriously, right? Yeah. I, I would, I would think it has a little bit of saliva involved. I, yeah, I, 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 I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> Megan, Megan, I'm trying like, to figure uh, it out. I mean, I, I, on one side, I look at this and I see, you know, they they talk about they talk about these security contractors, right? And how they're all there, and you know the the, the it, Lucio and and Harry have this conversation. You know what, what what would you do? Well, I would just you know hide some anti personnel mines in the walls. It'd be cheaper to clean all of that up than it would to be to you know, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. You know, well, I could shirt those out if I and and this and this guy watching this conversation very patiently says, "Excuse me." <laughs> <laughs> goes back comes back and says if you'll follow me i mean i'm looking yeah. at this and i'm going all right and then i'm and, sure they get very handsomely compensated and do they have Until a do they, they have a, do they have a death clause that says when we feast on you to survive ourselves we're gonna pay yeah. your heirs how much yeah, probably I, not is this how this conversation <laughs> I would hope so, because I, I was right there with Harry where Lara's talking about, so you have the guy who's blind and the guy who loses his leg, just bring them in here. And Harry's just like, wait, uh, are, are you saying what I think you're saying? And she says, yeah, I yeah, am. They like, signed family up first. Yeah. They signed the paperwork. So when they signed the paperwork, was there a clause? Was there like 18 pages and one of the pages written by a lawyer says in the event that I am maimed otherwise or otherwise injured in such a way that I cannot any longer fulfill my responsibilities. I recognize that I will be consumed as food for the <laughs> survival fair, of the white court. This is weird that I'm now going to go on the side of the white court. They do <laughs> give these guys some pleasure as they eat them. Gross. That's that's what I'm saying. They I'm I'm sure they had a lot of a lot of I mean I'm not saying everybody wins, but there are worse ways to go, I guess. <laughs> Probably not. I wouldn't I don't know. I wouldn't expect they draw from a pool who uh, of family men anyway. No, no, I, I'm I'm sure right. not. I'm sure not. Um and, and I it just I, I have to admit when they were when they were getting ready to walk those guys off, that first thought into my head was Man, really, really kind of sucks to, 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 you know, not do well on the job on this group. That's, that's kind of a, you know, where do you go? But the other, the, the second thought that came into my head, uh, as some of our longtime listeners will remember, was the day that we were playing Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yeah. And Craig says, so can we ask about a medical plan? <laughs> <laughs> To which, to which you had to respond. You realize you are adventurers. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so, do it because it's fun. So I'm sure that somewhere along the line, there's there's probably someone who says, so can I talk to you about your medical plan? If you want to know about the medical plan, you don't want to work with us. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, it was one of those moments where I said to myself, you know what, Todd, you think just a little different than maybe a lot of other people reading these books. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a good question though. Like, is there, is there a point at which these, these contractors are allowed to walk away or are they, you know, is saliva involved and they just don't ever would want to, that was a terrible sentence, but it's out yeah, there now. But you know what, based on, based on Harry's reaction, he knows who these people are. Um, yeah. based on Justine's experience, she knew what those people are. Something tells me that when you make that choice, they make sure that you make it with your eyes open Sure. and that everybody is, everybody is very aware that, you know, yeah, if you screw up, you are food, but you know, you're going to enjoy the meal just as much as we are. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did that's they? a horrible way to say that, but enjoy just, the meal. Kind of how it goes. All right, I want I want to bring this one up before we before we end. Go for um, it. This was from who was this from on Reddit? Uh, Proletarian ninety two. I don't have a oh. question per se, but did Todd cry at this line? You knew what it was like to be a man. I don't. I don't remember. Oh. he might cry right now, you guys. That's yeah. I think that's that's why it was brought up. Yeah. Um. We wanted to give you your cry moment. It w- <laughs> <laughs> Well, that kind of ruined it. Um, <laughs> I've said too much. You know, the, um, that was one of the that was one of the spots that I highlighted and that I and that I made a a, a, a clip. I saved a clip of the of the reading. That yeah, you know, there's a there's a point at which we, for all of us, there's a point at which we stop, and we have to say. I'm making this choice intentionally. I'm accepting all the consequences. We've, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit with, with Will. Yeah. Um, but the fact that Harry goes through it, the fact, that, the fact that all of them go through it at some point. Yeah. That, that this one really feels like um, there are no uninformed choices. In fact, it, it almost feels like the only one who's making an uninformed choice in this whole deal is Molly. Because Harry says, yeah. this is going to be pretty crazy. By the way, try this crystal thing. It'll put up a shell. Uh-huh. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but, but the idea of the idea of being able to say, this is where you have to stand up and be counted. That's a tough moment. Mm-hmm. I've, never, I've never had a moment where I've had to do that with a, well... No, no, let me take that back. Uh, there have been a few moments where I have had to look at some life and death kinds of situations and say, all right, we're making this choice. We're moving forward. That's all there is to it. Now, it has never been a situation where I've been taking someone's life. <laughs> it has never been as far as, as you can tell us, as far as I can tell you, um, the, the documents are not <laughs> sealed yet. Um, but yeah, when when you are looking at something and you are saying this is the dividing line from who I was, from everything that I used to be and everything that I will be moving forward. That's a tough moment. Yeah. I may have, I may have shed a single tear at that moment because I was too busy flipping pages. I was too busy saying, keep going, keep going, keep going. I, <laughs> I admire your resilience and your fortitude. Oh, 
But yeah. I will also I, I I will also say that there was there were there was another moment that I did cry. Okay. And we've danced around it, but it was the moment when Harry realizes what he thought he and Lucio had was not what she thought they had. Oh yeah. And when he was when he realizes that and has to and and has to then say, All right, pick up and move on, he doesn't love easily. Um, and when he does, he loves deeply. And to find out that the person that he gave it to, number one was manipulated, and number two really didn't care that much anyway. That it was all just entertainment. I, I imagine that was a little bit more of a blow to Harry than perhaps anything else. I, I almost teared up at that moment too. Wow. I, I, I did. I said, I, I read that and I went, huh. Megan, did you that's, hear that? He I, almost I, teared up at that I, moment. I did. I, 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 know, I, looked at, I, I read that and I went, oh. That's big. That's a, that's a bummer. Ken. Moving forward. You've taken wow. such a there, big see, step did you, today. Did you see how There's emotional that was? There's a crack in the was? stone. Did you see how emotional <laughs> that was for me? Hey, for those of I you who don't know Ken, that's that's huge. <laughs> that's big. All right. Well, you know what? We're we're closing in on an hour, but there's there's a lot more that I want to talk about. I as well, Megan. So Yeah. Yes, right. I would like to continue talking, please. So so rather than drag this out for another 45 minutes and make one super long episode that everybody turns off and says, "Well, they I'm never listening to them again." Let's close this one down just a little bit early. And let's have another set. Let's have a second episode on this one Gosh, and unpack a little hooray! bit more. We got to talk more about this. Yeah, I know. Shut up, Ken. You know, Yay! you're looking forward to it. I'm so looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, uh, it, uh, hopefully you're going to be as excited as we are to go through, to go through a second episode. Uh, we're going to, we're going to put together another second episode. We'll talk more about the ending of this book and about what we think some of the ramifications are going to be. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.